0: How close can you come to knowing another person? I watched a recent Space Explorers episode where, in an attempt to become better people, a group of moon colonists turned into energy beings. They inadvertently merged with an ion storm or something. Sounds like solid science to me. But listen, that's how other people are to one another, aren't they? Just vibrating clouds of energy that react and bend around us. No fixed center. Just little electric arcs that make the hair on the back of our arms wiggle upwards. Now, I'm a fan of my fleshy bits, but some days I think it would almost make it easier if we were just vaguely human-shaped storm clouds with lightning for eyes. Might be hard to enjoy a g and in the hot tub, but otherwise it feels more honest. And when it comes to our parents, somehow the ones closest to us are the hardest to see clearly. They're the most unreliable of clouds, shifting as soon as you get close. How do we ever really get to know them? When we're ready, they've started to fade even further, graying, turning more mist than cloud. Talking to your parents as adults when you can really receive information and are hungry for it, well, some people get that chance. Others don't. And it can be tricky to process even if you pull it off. You realize that the thing you hoped was at the center of that fuzzy being is, in fact, something altogether different, unfamiliar, and unyielding. Or you may find out that the one thing that never made sense in your mind, well, there was a reason for that. The truth was hidden on purpose, and maybe you were never meant to know. I guess what I'm saying is that we're all just floating through, presenting what we want our loved ones to see, and then disappearing into the ether of existence or hovering about up in our attics where we wait sitting on a trunk with our little ghostly chins resting in our pillowy damp hands until we need to go hover near each other once again. Friends, knowing our parents, considering science fiction, trivial things, and parenthood, we're setting our warp drives for maximum as we soar headfirst into that glowing portal that will take us to the deep night. To the deep
1: night. we find an the,
0: On the other side. To Oh, French. Hello. "'It's me, Del Shiva, and I'm so happy to be with you as your host, guide, and star captain for this next hour of regrets and revelations we call the deep night. We come to you tonight, as we always do, from the foul banks of the Gowanus, and oh, the Gowanus shimmers and shines in the bright sun we've been having. It's good to see it happy after a long stretch of rain and winter dredging.' It was also great to watch my beloved Brooklyn Bolts cruise to a fantastic win this weekend with her own kid Pepsi lighting up the mound with a great three-inning stretch of pitches. Bold she was and in fine form as she refused any runs in and made quick work of the opposing team. She did so well, one of the softball dads asked if I played, as if being her uncle had anything to do with her talent. So I said, yes, I did. (laughs) Who's going to tell him? (laughs) Gary? Linda, I don't think so. They're too busy trying to make a go of it with their turtle yoga enterprise. I told them people are not going to like turtles crawling on them while they're bent over and that the turtles might not be too fond of it either. But Linda bought 150 box turtles from a fellow in Sarasota and Gary's been busy building a hutch out of old scrap wood they had left over from their meditation room extension they built onto their ranch house. So I guess we'll see what happens. (laughs) I tried to tell them both that there are easier ways to achieve a healthy lifestyle. For instance, they could do what I do, and enjoy a hearty scoop of AG1 from Athletic Greens. I got turned on to this stuff after Glinda brought home a trial package for me, and folks, it's been so easy, and dare I say, delightful to use. It's a simple habit that has replaced a very complicated one. I used to have one of those monthly pill cases, you know, MTWTHF. And repeat, each filled with little supplements and pills for hair growth, water pills. Now I only need AG1 from Athletic Greens. I eat this stuff each morning, stir it into a little H-T-U-O straight from the T-A-P. And at first you think, oh boy, is it going to taste healthy or is it going to taste good? (laughs) And it tastes good, friends. A little tropical island in your mouth. And then I sit back and I wait. As my body gets to work absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, mineral, whole foods, source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Oh, does that feel good. And then my day can begin. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging. All the things. To make it even easier easier for you to try AG1. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free 1-year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com/emerging. Again, that's athleticgreens.com/emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Okay, friends, You know when you hear a familiar voice come through and your whole body perks up and you think, oh yeah, (laughs) we're in for a good time now. Well, that's what's about to happen to you. Especially if you're a long-time listener to the NPR quiz show Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Because my guest today, comedian, actress, director, and producer Helen Hong, is no stranger to the Wait, Wait set. She's also appeared in tons of great TV shows and movies, including memorable turns on Jane the Virgin, Parks and Rec, Inside Lewin Davis, The Thundermans, The Unicorn, New Girl, and of course, Silicon Valley. She has a new special out uh, entitled Well Hung. Let's go now to my conversation with Helen Hong. Helen Hong, welcome to The Deep Night.
1: <laughs> Thank you for having me, Dale. <laughs> absolutely it's such
0: an honor to have you here uh of course uh, always a lot going on in the world but how does this day find you
1: uh this day finds me pretty well yeah i mean there you know the world is a bit of a a poop show but um but i am doing well i'm i'm healthy i have a little baby in the house and the, and right. the baby's always the baby's always really babies are so uplifting
0: they, they- They are. Sometimes they require uplifting, but also they can be a very – a positive force.
1: Sometimes they can also be soul-crushing, but this one is doing pretty well today.
0: Oh, well, I'm I'm glad to hear it. Now, uh, I'm thrilled to make your acquaintance – you've become radio royalty, haven't you, Uh, through your appearances on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz
1: I love that. I love uh, I'm I'm pretty narcissistic. So any <laughs> any any imagining where people have to envision me with a crown or on a throne or holding a scepter, I'm down.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, good. Well, did you ever expect to find such fandom among the quiz show set?
1: No, it's it's kind of funny because my comedy, my stand-up comedy is a, a little bit naughty and body, and I definitely like to use some curse words uh and you can't do any of that on NPR <laughs> and so every time I'm on it it's just an exercise of like extreme filtering between my brain and my mouth I'm just like it's NPR it's NPR it's NPR don't say don't say the first thing that you're thinking
0: <laughs> right. that, that must be incredibly challenging, uh, one, if you're uh, prone to that sort of thing, but also uh, given the nature of live uh, recording.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. But, uh, but I was encouraged because a, a, a much more royal royalty, NPR royalty, is Paula Poundstone. And yes. a lot of people don't know that at the live tapings, she just lets it fly. Like, she's, she's pretty much a potty mouth. And they have to edit quite a lot around her, and I, but she's still, you know, like the most popular, uh, I would argue, the most popular panelist on that show. And she just lets it rip, and there's kids in the audience, and she just lets it fly, and people are just dying laughing. So I was like, hey, if Paula can do it, I, they, can, they can cut around me if I let the occasional slip up, slip up. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Well, I like that. I have never uh, attended one of those things, but it always seems like great fun. Uh, I am uh... – Somewhat friendly with uh, Jesse Klein, who has been on that show a number yes. of times. And uh, we were stranded once at LaGuardia, or at least. You're always stranded at LaGuardia. We were just waiting for the flight. <laughs> and she was going to Chicago to, to tape one of the things. Yes. And uh, she was writing, I hope this isn't giving away anything, uh, one of the fake news stories where you're yes. trying to fool the, the list. And I thought those things were always just generated by, I don't know, a writer's room somewhere. But to see that the comedians generate them themselves.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's uh That's one of the big responsibilities of being a panelist on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is – you know, there's the bluff, the listener segment. And um, so there's two fake stories and one real story. And that's actually one of the most common questions that I'm asked that we're all asked by the audience is like, who writes the bluffs? We all write the our own bluffs. We write them ourselves. We're assigned whether we get the true story or the fake story by a producer the day before. And then we literally have less than 24 hours to Cobble it together, and the first time it I had to do it, I was so nervous. Oh my gosh, my stomach was in knots. I was like, Oh, is this good enough? I don't know. But now, you know, I mean, I've seen Moraka not write it in advance and just wing it,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> which he can because he's so charming and he's Moraka. But ever since I've seen, you know, like. Some of the more veteran panelists just kind of wing it and not take it that seriously. Then I I started to relax about it. But yeah, we all write our own. Whoever's reading the story has written that bluff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you can tell.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Mo, Mo, we see you, Mo.
0: Some of the jokes are a little too uh, perfectly, uh, you know, the name <laughs> of the shop or whatever. But that's um, that's great. And, and you do have the opportunity; they they do some touring, right, with the stand-ups that are on the show to, yeah, to yes. be your authentic selves. In yes.
1: It. So this is a new thing. Um. So uh. So wait, wait, don't tell me. Beta tested a wait, wait comedy tour, meaning the pa- you know the comedian panelists on the on the actual radio show then are performing their own stand-up at a comedy tour so they beta tested this in austin texas just before the pandemic happened so they had planned this tour and then it was like we tried it and now the world's ending
0: <laughs>
1: so um you, you so, mustn't yeah. blame yourselves
0: you mustn't yeah. blame yourselves.
1: For <laughs> so i was part of that very very first beta testing show which went fantastic and it was sold out immediately and People loved the concept and then we were our authentic selves. Um, You know, still, it's still an NPR audience. So obviously there's a little bit of sanitizing happening. Um, It's not the the set that I would perform on a Saturday night at a, you know, an actual comedy club if I was headlining myself, but, um, but it was great fun, you know? And so now that the world is sort of emerging from the pandemic, they're, they're starting it again. And I think it's actually officially a tour now. So. The first date that I'll be doing is in Salt Lake City at the end of June with Mo Raka and uh, um, Nagin Farsad, another hilarious comedian, and Alonzo Bowden, a fan favorite. So I'm really excited. Yeah. So I've got a (laughs) bunch of dates uh, towards, uh, you know, through the end of the year for the wait, the official first wait, wait, don't tell me stand up comedy tour coming to a city near you
0: terrifically exciting <laughs> oh my goodness now uh, were you uh, someone who uh, loved quiz shows growing up did you have a little quiz show play set as a child
1: I wasn't a quiz show I was a wait wait don't tell me fan I was oh, good. and in fact I manifested I bucket listed and manifested my appearance on the show in my journal can you believe it this is like... <laughs> This is like when you, yeah, this is like, I mean, I tell this story a lot and I tell people like, you got to write things down because when you write things down magically, sometimes they appear. So when I was a very young, green comedian, probably only about two years in, I had always been a fan of NPR I I'd always been a fan of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. But when I was a young comedian, I literally wrote into my bucket list in my journal. The number one item was I want to be a panelist on Wait Wait Don't Tell Me. I think it's the funniest comedy show. I think the comedians on there are so hilarious and so talented. I'm a comedian now and I want that's, you know, I want to be on that show. And so it took a few years. It took maybe 5 years after I wrote that down, but it happened. It happened. Yes. I got an introduction by Maz Gibrani, a friend of mine uh to the producers and I expressed my desire to be on and they were like sure let's try you out and I tried out and then that was six or seven years ago and I've been doing it ever since and so I'm like now I'm like wow I should have been writing way bigger things into my book <laughs> I should have set myself I should have been like I want a mansion in Bel Air you know, I wanna be the next Oprah Winfrey. I wanna be a billionaire, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, why did I set my sights so low? Jeez Louise. <laughs> That's right.
0: right. Sometimes uh, being practical comes back to bite us, doesn't <laughs> <stuff>. it?
1: <laughs> I really you know, this this has happened this has happened a few times in my life where I wrote things into my bucket list. Like for the longest time I wrote into my bucket list, I want to own a home with a huge yard and a big doggy door for my dog. And I wrote that over and over and over again. And guess what happened during the pandemic? I bought a house with a huge yard and a built-in doggy door for my dog. It's a tiny house in South Central Los Angeles. And now I'm like, damn it, why didn't I say, I want a mansion, like a 10-bedroom mansion in Santa Monica by the beach. With a huge yard and a big doggy door for my dog. Like, I the, the specifics, I did I needed to fill in more specifics. Yes,
0: yes, yes. <laughs> uh, details are important. Uh, speaking of which, is there a certain kind of pen and pad that you're using that I should go out and buy? Because it does sound uh, incredibly powerful no, in its ability it, to manifest. No,
1: it's just, just pick up a notebook and write it you know write things down and like i you know they don't all the things i don't write you know like because <laughs> i also h- wrote in my but in the very same bucket list that i wrote wait wait don't tell me i want to be a panelist i also wrote i want to be in a threesome with brad pitt and angelo angelina jolie and clearly now they're they're like bitterly divorced. And... Seems less
0: likely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you were getting close at one point, it now yeah. seems unlikely.
1: Yeah. Seems really it Seems – every day that passes it seems harder and harder. Unless Although there
0: a... may be other people with those same names.
1: <laughs> a. Brad Pitt and N. Angelina Jolie. <laughs> I mean, I did write that. repeatedly into my bucket list, still hasn't come true. So I'm not (laughs) saying this is a surefire thing, but I'm saying, like, there's a 50-50 chance it might happen.
0: Yeah, yes, yeah. Well, uh speaking of uh dreaming big, Helen, uh you you, you had so, uh, some experiences during the pandemic that you talk about in the new special that's coming out. Oh my god. Uh, well, hung, right? Uh yes. you 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 have and I know we we should be cautious in saying, well, we're post-pandemic or that's all behind us now because uh, gosh, you look at the numbers in New York or anywhere, and uh, we're still in it. And uh, I think Hot Girl Summer has been postponed. Maybe a hot girl came out of a I don't know hole somewhere, took a selfie, said "LOL," no, and now we've got six <laughs> more months. Uh, but
1: <laughs> oh, is that what happened? It was like the it was like the groundhog only was hot girl.
0: I think so. Hot uh, girl
1: was like hot girl just popped her head out of the hole. And was like nope. Yeah,
0: I assume <laughs> that's how all seasons work. I don't... <laughs> I don't know. Um, but what was going on uh, for you during the pandemic? You oh, talked a little bit about gosh. dating. And uh, you mentioned the baby, but I don't know if that coincided with the pandemic or not.
1: Wow. Uh, so my special is dropping soon. It's called Well Hong. Yes. Not Well Hung, Well Hong, after my <laughs> own name. Uh, you know, make your own deductions, people. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in the special. First of all, I taped that special uh, like, Right after lockdown happened, it was it was I I, I taped it as in conjunction with the Tribeca Festival, which was you can look this up like one of the first public events to reopen, quote unquote, New York City after lockdown. Mm -hmm. And so it was all these people like kind of little freaked out. Everybody was wearing masks. You know, in the audience, people were a little bit freaked out to be there. I was freaked out to be there. It was just like, are we catching it right now? What's <laughs> happening? But, um, and so it was, it was, yeah, it was odd. It was, it was the first time I had been on stage. The first time I'd been on stage in like a year of like, I'm taking it special. <laughs> Roll the cameras. So it was kind of like crazy and, and unprecedented for me and probably everybody in the room. But um but we got through it and it was great and oh man, so much happened to me during the pandemic, Dale. So much. Like I, I almost
0: I, don't know where to start. I, I mean, I
1: bought <laughs> I bought the said house yes. in the middle of the pandemic. Um, I moved in with my sister who then promptly got pregnant. She is a single mother by choice, but because I live with this woman. That made me a single mother by no choice. No choice. I had no choice in the matter. <laughs> um, right. My sister and I bought a house and moved in together. And then we, after we moved in, she was like, surprise, I'm pregnant. You're helping me. You're going to be the daddy. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> had, so, had that
0: been your relationship up to that point where <laughs> no. uh, she would kind of spring I mean, things on you? No, or?
1: no. This is She's usually very honest and upfront. But I think this was <laughs> such a... I think this was such a big ask. You know, it's kind of a big ask when you ask them, like, "Hey, be my co-parent." You know, yeah, yeah. even though you're not, you're not the daddy or or the other mommy or the other parent of any kind. Yes. Uh But she and I have always been very close. Uh, we're very, very close.
0: And Helen, yeah. we, we have something in common around that because uh, about twelve years ago or so, my pregnant niece moved in with me, oh, and uh, really? then we had to kind of—I uh, became somewhat of a legal guardian for this Whoa, young child. Oh,
1: Dale, uh, I did yeah. not know that. So we're we're in the same uh, we're in the same I would say boat, but I would, its more like a baby crib. <laughs> yes, something
0: with a lot of holes. Toddler pen.
1: <laughs> the same playpen we are that's sinking
0: <laughs> that's right, right. very porous and not watertight
1: i mean yeah. i and this was crazy because dale let me tell you i am the least maternal person like i am the last person you would ever ask to parent your child i am <laughs> yeah. just i am no i'm like a i'm a tinder aficionado um <laughs> Yes. i i'm a i'm a late night owl I, I do stand-up comedy i travel you know i do i'm doing shows at midnight and uh yeah you know, and none of none of it is maternal but
0: you designed you know, your life in such a way that exactly. uh, met your needs and not this other uh, situation exactly
1: but i guess even that schmuck is better than nothing is <laughs> was my my sister's kind of rationale behind it like my sister's like well i'm a single mother by choice but if i can Rope in some sucker, i.e., my sister to help me occasionally. It's better than no help at all. Right. So, now, did
0: did you also have to go through uh, the birth process? And does that mean you were sitting there yes. with the birth in classes?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, gross. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing made the whole thing made me go, oh, oh no, this was a good decision I made to not have a human <laughs> exit my body in this way. No. Uh, yeah. Yucky, yuck, yuck, yuckity, yuck, yuck.
0: A lot comes out. Um.
1: <laughs> yes, I was there for the birth. In fact, that baby was born in this very house. The house that I am joining you from right now, Dale, is the house that I bought with my sister in the pandemic. My sister had planned to go to a birthing center that's very a very short walk from here. She didn't make it, Dale. She didn't make it. She was yeah. like, I'm having contractions. I'm having contractions. Woo! There's the baby. <laughs>
0: Wow. Well, first yeah. of all, I mean, no birthing plan has ever worked out, so that's that's par for the course. I think. I, I think mean... the idea that you would walk to the birthing center is also <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe short sighted. A think little short sighted. It was a bad plan, Dale. Showing to start some with?
0: inexperience. Uh, <laughs> the, the child that I uh, have a hand in raising uh, was almost born in the back of a cab, uh, so Ooh. there was a, a very tense ride. Uh, Wherein every pothole was hit between uh, Brooklyn and the Upper East Side. <laughs>
1: you had to go from Brooklyn to the Upper East Side? Uh, also short-sighted Dale, Again, not going to lie. A not a great plan. I'll,
0: I'll take the hit on that <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, and I bet the cabbie wasn't too happy about it. Was he... <laughs>
0: Very sweet man. And uh, my niece cursed uh, like a sailor in ways that I have never heard before. And the poor man, I think, was not familiar with that... kind of language and uh, left shaken I would say. He was, <laughs> no, one was
1: a... no, no one was unscarred. No one on that trip was unscarred.
0: <laughs> no, it was very intense. Now did you do the whole things where you take like black and white photos of you with the child leaning on you oh, or, God, or holding Dale. the bellies?
1: No. I mean we're just we're just fighting for survival up here. <laughs> I when I see those photos, those like really cute Anna Gettys photos where the kids like in a cabbage yeah, like growing out of a cabbage. I'm like, who are these parents? Like, do they have an army of nannies helping them? Like, I could barely shower. Like, I could barely brush my teeth during those early days. I'm just like, I, we didn't have the wherewithal to call a photographer and say, se- no! <laughs> no, we're barely like, I'm like barely like wiping the, the vomit off of myself. Like, forget f- professional photography
0: yeah last person on the call list would be a photographer
1: <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> to document like, that I mean i we're just like like is there a nine one one line to just for first time parents I mean, the baby didn't the baby had a hard time latching, wouldn't eat, was screaming at all hours like yep oh no. no no, no. N- there's nobody there's nobody getting pretty and taking photos up in here, no yeah
0: but you somehow managed to keep the dating uh, as going
1: well <laughs> you know you i mean Timber. come on dale like priorities priorities
0: <laughs> sure no i like, understand
1: newborn <laughs> photography no but hooking up that's i mean come on <laughs> that,
0: that that's got to be that's a non-negotiable did you find it uh, easy to date with people wearing masks and no. was there a kind of mask that was more alluring than others <laughs>
1: No, actually, this—that's all a joke, Dale. I did not date at all, and this is actually one of the jokes that I tell in my special Well Hong, where I'm like, I can't believe that people were dating during quarantine. Like, I can't. Like, friends of single friends of mine, I'd be talking to them, and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, I I had a date the other night," and I'm like, "What? What? what? We're like in quarantine right now. Like, how are you dating?" And they're like, "Oh, we're doing we're doing Facetime dates." I'm like, "What?" What does that mean? Does that mean, like, you're just showing each other body parts, like, over the internet? And they're like, no, Helen, stop <laughs> being such a gutter mind. Like, no, we're we're just chatting and getting to know each other. And I'm like, what? That's not dating. That's like making a new pen pal. That's not dating. You just made a friend.
0: <laughs> right. Now, uh, Helen, sorry to interrupt, but d- is your idea of a date where you just show each other body parts in real life? Yes. Okay. <laughs>
1: yes dale
0: yes it's been a while for me so i, I, I want to know what's you going on you just show on. each
1: other body parts and then go i'll take number three i'll take i'll take uh i'll
0: take a i'll take a d and Nine. Oh. <laughs> that's good. that's a yeah. fine combination uh, <laughs> <laughs> um well you mentioned uh uh facetime uh, and i was thinking about all the things of this moment is there anything i would look back at this time in our history and and miss or feel fondly about and i have to say i don't mind zoom and facetime these kind no. of things it feels very uh, rooted in the promised technology that we were told <laughs> would come down the the road yeah. and, and that it's like a rare instance of the future delivered
1: Well, I absolutely agree with you. And as an introvert, a lot of people don't know that many stand-up comedians are actually introverts. You know, like I, there's something, it kind of makes sense if you think about it. Like it's easier in a way to talk at people, you know, it's it's, it's easier in a way to talk at 200 to 1,000 people than to actually engage one-on-one. Because when you're engaging one-on-one, you're actually talking to someone and you actually have to, like, take in what they're saying and then be a little vulnerable yourself and share. No. Skin crawl. <laughs> Horrible. Tail. Yikes. Even saying that now, I'm like, Ugh. Yikes. No. Give me a stand-up, comm- give me a microphone and 200 anonymous people any night of the, you know, any night of the week and I can talk at them. Right. And kind of just limit my interaction. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. have to actually make eye contact with any one person. Right. Um, so as an introvert, Dale, okay. Zoom was like, oh, hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to leave my house. I can just just kind of vaguely engage with alone in a room with myself and this computer. Yes. <laughs> yes, right. sign me up. Right.
0: Well, I I would think it would appeal to the introvert as well as the kind of sci fi fan uh, because it has a certain, uh, you know, on screen. uh, (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Kind of deal. Exactly. uh, Which, you know, from the Dick Tracy watches until uh, everything else, where this is how things were presented to us. By the way, I
1: I appreciate the Star Trek reference. On screen. <laughs> yeah,
0: goes, I love well, it. That, that's what I wanted to ask you about because you are a sci-fi fan, right? And, huge and, sci-fi and,
1: fan, huge Star Trek fan, yeah.
0: Okay. So is it just Star Trek or are you uh, you like it all?
1: No, I love sci-fi. I okay. love it. I love uh, anytime there's a big sci-fi movie coming out, I'm just like super excited to see it. Um, my favorite movies of all time are the original Alien, the original Blade Runner, um Terminators 1 and 2. I mean, those are literally in my top five movies. So
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I was very drawn to, during the pandemic, anything where they were stuck on the spaceship yes. a- and had to get somewhere because it felt very similar.
1: Yes! Yes!
0: <laughs> Whether it was Star Blazers or uh, one of the other Star Trek ones or uh, The Expanse uh, yeah. very... Uh, I like that one because they seemed like they almost had some real science if you didn't look too hard. (laughs) Had to wear the little gravity boots. I liked all that stuff.
1: I know. I love that stuff. And I just, I think I was drawn to sci-fi as a kid because a lot of sci-fi is like utopian. I mean, even if it's dystopian, it's just, it's just so different from our world that. At least there's a there's a concept of trying to be utopian, and then if it's not utopian, it's like things have gone horribly, horribly wrong. And how are we going to fix them? Right. You know, it, it's it's. I think it's that concept that I really like. Um, obviously, I'm drawn to Star Trek. I, I'm big Star Trek: The Next Generation specifically because that was a very utopian society, um, and just so forward thinking. Like, and just what you want the world to be, right? No racism. No sexism, no gender discrimination, no, like, other species discrimination. Men can wear skirts. Like,
0: I love that. I love all that. <laughs> Go nuts. Uh, well, that's, uh, see, I'm a, I'm a completist with it, with that kind of thing. So I like all of the stories and all the Star Trek incarnations. And uh, I've watched the animated ones where they have the Erex uh, with the extra arm, the sort of camel-looking uh, crew member. And uh, Enterprise, the one with Scott Bakula and a lot of oh, steamy that's the showers. One that I, no, that's the
1: one I was like, no.
0: Oh, it's got the power ballad <laughs> theme song. that really I know. Gets me going.
1: I, they love it. Lost me at the Power Ballad theme song. I'm not gonna lie. We really lost me like people. at the literally the first time I tried to watch it, and then the theme song came on. I was like, Nope, I'm dismounting yeah. right now. Nopeity <laughs> nope, nope. Space does not have these like, like weird hairband. No, I'm sorry.
0: It was I thought, oh my gosh, have as my high school girlfriend made a mixtape for me and put it in because that's what's <laughs> that's what's it going was on.
1: Too weird.
0: It was very weird, and it was uncomfortable, and they always had to take these uh, very steamy showers to get rid of space radiation or something. Oh. And it's a lot of time spent in the steam room. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind if I do, Helen. But, uh, <laughs> but, but there is that, as you tell you, that utopian bent, but also some real integrity. Within yeah. the series itself, because you have things like, okay, that animated series, whatever you think of that, kind of a silly thing. But Leonard Nimoy said, I'm not doing the Spock voice unless you also bring in Nichelle Nichols and
1: yes. uh, 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 George
0: Takai because they represent the voices of diversity that are present 100%. in the 23rd uh, century.
1: What a, what a man, like what a, just a decent human being Leonard yeah. Nimoy was. He's He's the kind of person that you wish more people were. And the fact that he did take a stand during that, and anim- a lot of people don't know that, like that, you know, the, the, the first Star Trek animated show, the only people that they brought from the original cast were uh, Captain Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, I think, right? Were the only original voices that they offered. And Leonard yeah. Nimoy was like, no, 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 no. You need to bring in George Takei and Nichelle Nichols you need to bring in this racial diversity, or I'm not doing it. Right, and that and they and that forced their hand. They brought those characters in and offered those actors those roles because Leonard Nimoy took a, such a strong stand. And I wish that more actors would do that nowadays. Yeah.
0: That's you know? how you use it.
1: <laughs> like I wish those Hawaii Five O actors took a stand when you know a lot of people don't know. Like Daniel Day Kim and Grace Park were the two Asian leads on Hawaii Five O at one point. And they were getting paid significantly less than their white um, co-leads. And then when they demanded equal pay, the studio was like, nope, sorry, you take it or leave it. And I wish those white actors had been like, well, then we're all leaving.
0: Right. No show. They
1: didn't. That's not what happened.
0: Yeah. And uh, as nice as Leonard Nimoy uh, was, he also gave me a cold one time that uh, I feel like I still have.
1: What? (laughs) What does that mean? You are going to have to explain this, Dale. Did you make out with Leonard Nimoy one time and he gave you, like, virus? He
0: he he, he showed up to a thing. He had a, a very bad cold. He shook my hand.
1: <gasps> no. And uh,
0: I, I went on with the rest of the evening. But um, I had what I refer to as a Vulcan space flu for oh, a, no. a number of months. <laughs> yeah.
1: Months. Well, the Vulcans, you know, anything from Vulcan is is definitely exactly it's efficient
0: (laughs) my earth body was uh, my earth immune system was not prepared
1: oh Um, so he shook your hand when he shouldn't have
0: that's right yeah Uh. yeah an early sign that i should be wary of germs Mm. (laughs) floating about
1: you know what i think this is another thing that's like fantastic to come out of the pandemic is i have always been not really a fond of handshaking um i'm a Slight germaphobe. My father is probably undiagnosed OCD. Hmm. And so I I blame him because he's <laughs> got a lot of like monk-like tics where he's like, ah, I got to wash my hands 90 times. Um, <laughs> but I am a bit of a germaphobe. And, and then the pandemic showed up and I was like, hey, I'm not shaking. And people were like, oh, cool. Like, let's do an elbow bump or something. Yes. So now I do an elbow bump. And now it's kind of acceptable. Whereas before the pandemic, if I was like, if I didn't shake someone's hand, it was rude. You know, it was considered rude. Yeah. Or like, what a weirdo. But now I have an excuse like I'm not shaking. Can we just elbow bumper? Can we just do like an Asian bow? (laughs) See, this (laughs) is where the Asians have it. Sure. Asians have it just they they got it better. Is is Asians are like, I just met you. Why do I want your hand germs on my hand? Right. Keep a little distance. There's yeah. still some
0: respect there. I yeah. acknowledge you. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Yeah. I, I see
1: uh, you. I acknowledge you. I am not sharing germs with you.
0: That's right. We yes. do not have to touch. Yes. <laughs> that's right. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um Well, uh, and you and uh, just back to the Star Trek thing for a second. You you moderated a panel recently, right? I that much been... Oh my
1: god, Dale. <laughs> Dale. Dale yes. as a yes. lifelong Star Trek TNG fan. Yes. I <laughs> Free, I was invited, and I, I talk about this a lot, and my agents know that i in fact, I sent an email to my agents where I said, there are so many Star Trek series coming out right now that if you don't get me on one of them, you're all fired. And they <laughs> right. were like, okay, right. uh, how That's about- That's got to be in the
0: book, right? You've been writing that down?
1: <laughs> and No, Dale, what have I been doing?
0: I don't know. I would have thought that would have been in there. I need, to
1: write, this, I need there. to write this out right now. No, of course it has. Of course okay. It has been right I haven't been writing it enough. I yes, haven't been okay. writing enough. Okay. But, um, but because they all know that I'm a huge Star Trek fan, and they got, uh, like, asked, my agency was asked, like, do you know any talent that would be good for moderating a Star Trek convention? And they were like, yes, we do. And so I got invited to moderate us, the official Star Trek convention that happened in Chicago uh, last month. And let me tell you, Dale, I thought I was a Star Trek fan (laughs) until I went to the Star Trek convention. And Mm -hmm. now I know I'm just some stupid girl (laughs) (laughs) who maybe saw Star Trek once. No, I I mean, these people go so hard, Dale. I was shamed. I was shamed. People were agitated that I didn't know, you know, the molecular structure of neutrinos, you know, that I can't, I can't order my lunch in Klingon. Like people were furious.
0: That's the thing. When they've taught themselves a language.
1: That's when you've gone, you've gone pretty hard then.
0: That's another level. (laughs)
1: Like I don't, I can, like I'm Korean and I can only speak Korean (laughs) at like a first grade level. Do you want me to then additionally learn an entire fictional language? No. (laughs) No. But these people have.
0: <laughs> they have, they have, and we we're just looking out at a sea of uh, alien species and uh, Starfleet uniforms. So
1: many good costumes, yeah. and so many not good costumes.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so many amazing costumes, and then so many you're like, eh, you kind of, yeah, you, you yeah. kind of phone this one in. Somebody
0: with a couple of uh, dust uh, Swiffers glued to them as Tribbles or something. Exactly, exactly. Yeah,
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was definitely people covered in Tribbles and it was like their dog's hair, you know. (laughs) Like their their cat's fur balls that they just kind of glued on. Generous to call it a
0: costume. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But it was so much fun and it was so great. And you know what was so great? It was really cool to see nerds, like sci-fi nerds of all shapes and sizes and colors, really. Like, I didn't know there were so many black geeks, like like black nerds that go hard, that were in costume and like were speaking Klingon, Asian nerds. I mean, Asian nerds is kind of more of a stereotype, but like, you know, Comic-Con type Asian nerds, they were yeah. there. You know, yeah. people uh, like d- differently abled, like people in wheelchairs in full costume. You know, it was so great. I it was, and it was so. It was such a community, and it was really. It was there was such a camaraderie of like these are my people. Like I have found my people.
0: Right, and I think I wasn't one
1: of them. I was being just (laughs) lambasted as some idiot who didn't know. Like, obviously, it's a pulsar. Obviously, you you
0: felt even more on the outside than than ever before. But I I think that is the the um, great gift that Star Trek has given is that inclusive spirit that those. Open yeah. embrace, like you're saying, that utopia that was depicted yes. that promises what people take uh, on yes. a- and take away from it and to want to participate in that fully in terms mm-hmm. of learning the language, looking the part, etc. Um, 100%.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, I,
0: it seems like I it would really be a nice fandom it. to be part of.
1: Oh, I loved it. I mean, except when they're coming after you on Twitter for not knowing about Photon Torpedoes or whatever. Oh, boy. (laughs) But but being there, it was so nice. It was so nice, and I really enjoyed it. I mean, there were kids, you know, parents bringing their little kids dressed in costumes, and there's a kid's series now. There's a Nickelodeon series, animated series called Star Trek Prodigy, and the kids are really into it, and... I got to moderate a panel with Kate Mulgrew, and I freaked out. And wow. It was so cool, Captain Dale. It was Janeway. so cool. Oh, Captain Janeway <laughs> is amazing. I showed her pictures of my nephew son. I call him my nephew son because he's <laughs> like my nephew, but I'm also like, if I've changed over 100 diapers, like I feel like I get to be yep. a parent. Yep. Um, and I showed pictures of of my nephew son to Captain Janeway, and she was like, oh, she freaked out. and. She was like, "Is he walking yet?" She's just got this amazing voice. <laughs> yeah, is he yeah. walking yet? And I'm like, "No, not yet." And she's like, "You know, the smartest one takes the smartest ones take the longest to walk because they're really thinking about it." And I was like, "Oh my god!" I was freaking out. It was so cool.
0: <laughs> that is so amazing. Well, uh, in addition to all the geeking out, um, I did want to ask you about another project of yours, uh, which was this video series that you made with your father, who you who, yes, who you referenced. Uh, old Korean dad stories. Right.
1: And, and sometimes mom.
0: And sometimes mom. <laughs> um, well, well, I wonder what was the impetus for doing that? And uh, this, how do you think that your relationship may have changed by doing that?
1: This is another thing, huge thing that came out of the pandemic, Dale. Dale, when I tell you so much happened to me during the pandemic, um, my, you know, my parents live across the country. My sister and I live in L.A. and my parents live in Boston. And so during the pandemic, like we couldn't see them. We didn't see them for a year, over a year. And um, at the end of 2020, remember at the end of 2020, everyone was like, worst year ever. Yes. Worst year ever, this was the worst year ever. There, there was a Time Magazine cover calling it the worst year ever. Everyone was like, worst year ever. And my dad actually over the phone brought it up one day and he was like, did you see that Time Magazine cover? And I was like, no, what does it say? And he's like, it says 2020 was the worst year ever. And I was like, well, your dad, you're pushing 80. Do you think it was the worst year ever? And he's like, very low-key, very cash. My dad goes, "Um, yeah, it was pretty bad, but I would say when I was starving in the middle of the Korean War and fleeing as a refugee and my baby brother died, yeah, that was probably worse. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, what? I didn't know, Dale, that I had a whole uncle that died in infancy.
0: Oh that was all new information to you.
1: New information. Wow. Like I knew that my dad had grown up during the Korean War as a very young child and had, you know, there was hardship there. That's kind of all I knew. Like I didn't know any details. But he was a literal like a 7-year-old refugee. Like his mother um his mother him and his two younger brothers were fleeing seoul like they were living in seoul and then you know the north koreans were approaching and they had to flee south and um on the road as a refugee his baby brother died and i never heard this story i literally didn't know that he had another brother that didn't make it as as an infant and i was like what like i guess it makes sense like it's not something that just comes up in casual conversation but this is just a, an example of how if you don't ask your elders about their lives, like sometimes it just never comes up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, the stories it's...
1: never come up. And so that's why a lot of these podcasts are coming out and Storyworthy and a lot of these like, you know, NPR does one, StoryCorps, where people just interview their loved ones about their lives because it just doesn't come up in, in general casual conversation. So I was like, dad, that is crazy. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I was like, you know what? I need to write an article or something, but I'm extremely lazy, Dale. I don't like to write things except in my bucket list. I don't like to write things that are like gonna be published. I'm very lazy that way. So I was like, you know what? I'll do a video interview, like a Zoom interview with my dad. And I'll try to get it out that way. And I know people at the now this Media Company, their mm-hmm. big, com- big media company that does like, you know, they do videos for Facebook and stuff like that. And I know people there. So I approached them and they were like, yeah, we would love to publish that story. So I interviewed my dad. He told me this insane story about fleeing the Korean War, like being on top of a rail car with a bunch of refugees, you know, like those horrible like refugee photos that you see of like people just hanging off of a train car that's exiting the city he was one of those people like as a child like his mother and his two younger brothers are like hanging on for dear life on top of a rail car and they're bundled up in like a whatever blankets they had and they were starving and they had nothing to eat and then the baby brother died and his mother couldn't bury him i was like what this is like so bonkers so he told this incredible story and That kind of was the impetus of me being like, I need to interview my dad about more of this stuff. You know, so I started a YouTube channel where I interview my parents about their crazy, crazy lives. And it's just been really wonderful. And it was also happening during the whole Asian hate, like random attacks on Asian people. So I just felt like it was me doing my part of trying to humanize Asian elders. Like this is my dad, he's a real person. He's a charming, wonderful person. And please don't kick him in the head.
0: (laughs) Right, right, right. Please don't. Yeah, well, in addition to to that, uh, which I appreciate, uh, I found a point of connection with myself because uh, with uh, my own father, before he uh, died last year, I was able to sit down with him Mm. and and do some audio recordings, mostly about his time in the Vietnam War. Um, but also about his struggles uh, with depression and anxiety. I mean, real stuff uh, came up. Yeah. And it was just amazing to have him open up uh, like that to me and for me to be at a place in my life where I could receive that information. Yeah. And to be an adult at that time, it, it's so important. And I hope people uh, take advantage of that if they can to, to talk to their parents and their elders.
1: And now, Dale, that your father's gone, aren't you so happy to have those recordings Because those you have forever?
0: it's true yes yeah. I am it's i haven't i'll be honest I haven't listened to them yet some of them but but to have that information and to know that it's um something I wanted to do it his whole life kind of yeah. I knew these stories were great, and he would tell them a lot, and so to have them uh, was yeah. very important and um I noticed a kind of similar impulse with your father, which uh, my father had, too, which is things get a little dark. His impulse is to mm, lighten the mood a little. Yeah. <laughs> It'll, to not let things. And I wondered if that was connected to your own uh, choice to be a comedian and if you feel that same uh, uh, impulse in yourself.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, I probably do stand up uh, as a way of not doing therapy. <laughs> <laughs> It works. I'm like, I don't need, I don't really need to like work on these issues. I'll just joke about them. Yeah. And I think that's I think that a lot of stand up comedians are similar in that way. But it is therapy, actually. It is very therapeutic to kind of talk about stuff that's going on in my life. And, you know, I am the type of comedian that, that I do. I just talk about stuff that's going on in my life. I'm not I'm not a wordsmith. I'm not a pun person. I'm not a like you know, even though I do Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me and some other political shows, I don't really talk a lot about politics in my act. I talk about what's going on in my life. Um, and it is very therapeutic. And a lot of times, uh, like like another thing, Dale, not to make it super dark, but like I uh, had breast cancer in the middle of the pandemic and oh I had gosh. to deal with that. Like I had to get a double mastectomy and I talk about all this stuff on stage and people are really appreciative that I talk about this stuff on stage and try to make light of it and share my experience and share my stories. And so many women have come up to me afterwards and been like, thank you for sharing that about your breast cancer. Um, And thank you for sharing, you know, mothers will come up to me, aunts will come up to me. Thank you for sharing that about the baby. Like that's so hilarious, you know, someone who never wanted to be a mother is like now like forced into mothering. Um, And thank you for sharing that about your parents. And thank you for sharing that about dating. And it's just all like, you know, ways of connecting with people and people have given me good advice and people have given me a lot of comfort after my shows, after I've shared some traumatic thing, and they're like, "Oh, let me share the thing that happened to me."
0: Right. Well, and with the cancer, you're you're in the clear now. You're. you're I am.
1: That. I got. Uh, I got a double mastectomy, and I got fake boobies, oh. which I was like, "Hey, are we talking double D's? Are we talking G's, F's?" And they're like, "No, we Jeez. kind of have to stay. <laughs> we kind of have to stay the same size." And I was like, "What?" I was so mad, Dale. I was like, here I have the opportunity to get Tiggle Bitties.
0: Right. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> and they're like, your only option is about the same size Bitties.
0: Huh. Well. And
1: I was like, darn it. <laughs> but you know what? It's better than cancer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I was going to say, the alternative uh, may be less appealing. Uh.
1: Also, they're not the greatest. I, uh, I, and I talk, I've been joking about this on Stagelet. I now have mismatched boobies like they're doing their own thing dale they're they're not in sync with they're not in lockstep with each other one's what i call a wanderer
0: oh well that's fun
1: (laughs) (laughs) i have one booby that's like locked and loaded and planted in the ground and is like this is my new home and then i have another booby that's what's over here what's what's on this side of your chest what's down here so, it's it's fun times here. Well, in my boobs.
0: I, I, as a Libra, I can relate to that.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you feel very confident in one direction and then you sometimes have to go in a different one. So, it's all a balance. It's my
1: boobies are Libras. My yeah. new boobies are Libras apparently.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> things to things to write down. Again, be specific in your in your <laughs> manifestation journal.
1: It's true. It's true. <laughs> I I should have written before my surgery, please give me two fresh, in-sync boobies. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's right. Have you tried rebooting? There's some things you can do. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, uh, I'm glad to hear that um, you, you've, you've come through that. Thank
1: and, uh, you. Even Thank if you, you have
0: uh, some exciting things happening on your chest. <laughs> that'll make those uh, FaceTime uh, dates uh, maybe a more interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and is there anything, though, <laughs> back to your dad, is there anything from that experience of talking with your father about his life that you now are taking forward as a parent, a co-parent, um, and, and, and what you're doing with, with the child? Is there any kind of uh, even no. attitude or anything?
1: Um, no. Uh, <laughs> Fair <enough>. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, because I – I'm trying to think. No, because I was – I interviewed my dad about uh, experiences during the war, which, uh, you know, I guess just don't bring your child into a war. Yep. um, See? See? That's That's advice. Yeah. (laughs) Don't be a refugee. Don't be a war refugee with your child in tow, I guess, is one that I took away. Um, But also – uh no, I, I'm trying to think of the topics that I've talked to my dad. My dad's obsessed with uh national parks. I remember doing a, there was a funny video of him like he had he has like a huge crush on park rangers. <laughs> 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 like he was like telling me about like this magical experience he had in a national park, and there was this beautiful woman, beautiful woman park ranger, and I was like, Dad, are you like hitting on the park, Dad? Park rangers are bay for you? And he's like, yeah. Like, I didn't know that my dad had a weird fetish <laughs> of, like, lady park rangers is his thing.
0: Yeah, very, very knowledgeable. <laughs> Hardy.
1: I'm <laughs> like, I thought you were going from park to park to see the natural beauty of this country. I didn't know that you were, like, trying to, like, mac on lady park rangers.
0: <laughs> right. Well, they are a part of the natural beauty of this country. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, Helen, I really think that um, you 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 have a future with the sci-fi, some kind of enterprise, uh, whether Thank it's the you. enterprise or not. Thank I, you I,
1: so I, much. I
0: want that to happen for you. as maybe a maybe a two boobed alien with uh, you know oh. things moving in different directions oh, could be the hook. Oh,
1: that's brilliant! That could be my hook. Is that yeah. like, hey, put me in a skin tight. Uniform, and I will look crazy because I have this one (laughs) wayward boob that is never in the same position, like, at any given moment. So, yeah, ah, I'm writing to my agents as soon as I get off the...
0: Okay, well, if you do, um, maybe you could also... I don't know if you ever watched the old Buck Rogers show, but they sometimes had to carry around the doctor. I think Dr. Theopolis was his name. And it was just a disc that the little robot wore around his uh, neck and uh, he was just a computer interface or something. But oh. I would love to provide the voice for that if you, if you oh. don't mind.
1: That's fantastic. You could, I could wear you around my neck. You could nestle in between my wayward boobs.
0: Right, right. Maybe like I have a little grabber that has to come back and keep it. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't want to. Yes. Don't wanna...
1: <laughs> one of those, you know, those things that um, short people use, those, those grabber things. <laughs> for the
0: high shelf. Yeah. Yeah.
1: For yeah. the high shelf. It's a, it's a grabber on a stick. Right. I have one because I'm only 5'1". I have like multiple around the house. So I'm <laughs> right. always grabbing things with my grabber. You could be the alien yep. doctor that has a boob grabber that's like, oh, come, no, rein it in.
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: That's great. We I could love at
0: least, we definitely. I'm writing it down.
1: <laughs> killed first on the away it.
0: team, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Get a red shirt. Um, uh, well, Helen, this has been great uh, talking with you about so many different things. I really Thank appreciate you. you going wherever we went. Uh, I'm I know not we, unlike...
1: did, we did cover quite a lot, didn't we? We covered yeah. uh, boob, boob, wayward boobs, we covered my dad, war refugees, babies. Star Trek conventions. Wow, we really, we, we did talked it. about it all. You, you
0: you you seem to me to be a productive person, whether it's a <laughs> pandemic or not. Lots going on. And the, the special is coming out uh, May 31st, is that May it? May
1: 31st, yes. It's dropping oh. on multiple platforms. I think Amazon, Apple, multiple platforms. Uh, it's a comedy dynamics special in conjunction with the Tribeca Festival. And it's May 31st and it's called Well Hong. <laughs> Well Hong which is a, a joke that I tell uh which is a true story about my dad wearing my merchandise that said Well Hong like it's a very <laughs> funny joke that you should you should watch the special just for that joke Well Hong <laughs> That's
0: right and people can uh, uh find that through your website as well if they need to
1: Yes okay. absolutely it will be on my website and uh it'll be on my on my social media handles uh I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Funny Helen Hong, because believe it or not, Dale, there is some woman named Helen Hong who's not funny.
0: <laughs> I believe it.
1: Mm-hmm. And she has all my social handles. Oh. So don't follow her. No. She's not funny. No. Follow funny Helen that,
0: Hong. That's right. Well, uh, it's been fun having you on, Helen. Thank okay. you so much for doing this and Thank you, uh, Dale. continued success. Uh, uh, thanks for being here. Thank you
1: having
0: me oh my goodness Helen Hong folks lots can happen during a pandemic Uh, get to know your parents seriously if you haven't had a conversation in a while if you've been putting it off give them a ring if you can talk them up ask the questions you've been meaning to ask you'll only regret it if you don't and you don't have to record it but what a wonderful document if you do Helen's new special, Well Hung, is out everywhere May 31st, so tune into that and then tune into your own being. Do a little check-in. The news right now, it's not great. We're in a weird spot cosmically, and somehow something has got to shift to make things right. But despite everything, I remain convinced that although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night with Dale is independently produced, written, and performed by James Bewley. Season 14 artwork by M.K. Cummins. Season 14 theme features lyrics and vocals by Kylie Lotts, music by Austin Lots, and mixing by Zach Robbins. It's never too late to give Dale a positive review while hitting subscribe on Apple Podcasts. But you can also tune in to Dale's Frequency on Stitcher, Podchaser, SoundCloud, and Spotify, wherever you are. Dale's right there with you. To get in touch with mindfulness tips, positive reinforcement, or just to say hello, email Dale directly at DaleRadioGmail.com. At Be sure to follow him on Instagram by looking up at Dale Siever. From our being to yours, thank you for visiting The Deep Night.